Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we look at national parks saying no to YouTubers. That's correct. National parks say no to YouTubers. Now, I'm watching one of my uh, YouTube channels today and it's it's a fellow who does a lot of walk arounds in the Vegas area, uh, kind of a vlog channel, and specifically he talks about Lake Mead. And as he's going through his program today, he explains that he'll no longer be able to show video from Lake Mead because the National Park has won a court case, the National Park Service has won a court case stating that even a single person who happens to go through a park with just one camera and photographs or videotapes anything and then posts those videos uh, online and does so in a way that anybody can make money off of it even if it's not them making the money even if youtube just runs the ads and keeps the money if those videos are monetized that becomes a commercial purpose and that videographer that vlogger is now uh, susceptible to being fined a thousand dollars and spending a six-month trip to federal prison. Pretty serious. Take a picture at the National Park, put it on your YouTube channel, and pay a thousand bucks. And if you don't pay them the thousand bucks up front, you're going to go away for six months in prison. That's the country that we live in. So if you've been following any of the, uh, the missing person cases in national parks, if you've been following any of the UFO reports that come out of national parks, you're probably not surprised by that. Because if you've been following any of the missing person stuff or the paranormal stuff that happens all the time in these national parks, there's a good chance that, like me, you think there's either the most massive incompetence imaginable or there's some kind of intentional cover-up going on. Now, specifically, we find this, art, we find this article here from uh, drivenandvibin.com. It says, Hey, YouTubers, filming in national parks is ruled illegal. This is by Driven and Vibin team. It says videographers just lost a video videographers just lost a big win from 2021, which granted free filming in national park on a small scale. For decades, filming anything in the parks for commercial use or profit required a permit, and one indie filmmaker bucked the system and said, "Hey, that's unconstitutional." Now I think that permit. Is twenty dollars just for the permit, and then I think it's around three hundred or four hundred fifty dollars a day to actually film. And uh, as this uh, vlogger I was watching today said, you have to tell the park uh, what your content's going to be about. They want to know uh, what kind of light that you're going to put the the park system in. It's, they're treating the park system like it's their own private property, and that it's not the people's property. It says for a few months anyway, shooting in parks was free to do. For a few months, anyone shooting in parks was free to do what they wanted unless it was a big Hollywood-type production. But now, anyone filming could face fines or even jail time. It's not jail time. It's prison time. Big difference. Many of us are solo or duo, vlog- or duo vloggers, so why should we care? Does this ruling really pertain to us? 
And it says the federal government by, the federal government by law charges fees and requires a permit to film on public land for commercial purposes. By commercial, we mean any project which intends to or might make money. Even if your project is for PBS, a nonprofit, you'd still need a permit and to pay a fee for simply inconveniencing the public, a.k.a. taxpayers, on public lands. Uh, you're in the way near a street in the parks. You may be disrupting the land. Now, this is nonsense. Okay, this is absolute garbage. These guys aren't disrupting anybody. They're walking around with a camera. They're not doing anything that any other tourist with a camera is doing. All right. Secondly, uh, just because you apply for a permit doesn't automatically mean that you get one. Okay, so let's wake up and be clear about that. You're dealing with the bureaucracy here. It could be months before you get an answer. And if, if they turn you down your permit, if they don't like what you're what you're talking about in your little vlog, they're just going to tell you no. They're going to keep it, and they're going to keep your twenty bucks. So, so this is this is not as even as simple as they're trying to make it seem here. It says. Where things are getting tricky is for solo travelers, vloggers, and YouTubers. This law was written before YouTube existed. Now anyone with a phone can make content for profit. Even if you shoot a video in a park and put it on YouTube for free, the platform alone can make money from you. Suddenly, you need a permit and need to pay. <clears throat> you need to you need a permit and need to pay a fine. Shooting content for YouTube and the laws that swarm around it has been a gray area ever since YouTube's inception. It's confusing for sure. Needing a permit to shoot your vlog diary in a park seems odd. No, it doesn't seem odd. It seems oppressive, dictatorial, deep state oriented. Independent filmmaker Cody Price sued the National Park Service and the U.S. Attorney General after receiving a fine. He won the case in 2021. He argued the federal and state laws governing content with free speech were unconstitutional, and he won. Due to the lawsuit, the national parks changed their laws. Well, or maybe we should say they changed their rules. Now, this is what we're talking about yesterday. You have the executive branch of the president. He can just make up an executive order, and that becomes law. We saw that a couple years ago, right? You have the Congress. That's the House and the Senate. They can create laws in their bodies, and they can pass it with or without the president, depending upon whether they got veto-proof uh, majorities. And then you got the court system. They just make up the laws as they interpret them. You may go into that court with one law and end up with a brand new one. We've seen this happen over and over. But that's not the only thing. You have all these different departments. In, in this case, you have the National Park Service. They're just making up their own laws. Oh, hey, you, you want to film in a national park? Don't think so. So this lawsuit happened. The judge slaps them down. They had to adjust the park rules. I guess you could call them laws accordingly. And as soon, but, but instead of just staying there, they appeal the case. So they appeal the case against the judicial branch. You know, this could go all the way. This this could go all the way to the Supreme Court. So this this is where we are. At. This is where we are at in America. We are at the mercy of. Three different branches of government and countless bureaucracies who are implementing laws on us all the time. Due to the lawsuit, the national parks changed their laws. Filming in the parks for free allowed the gear limited to one tripod and to what fits in your backpack for now. But here's the rub. This new ruling is only an interim law. The parks appealed the verdict, and on August 23, 2022, the NPS 
won their appeal, which means we are back to needing a permit and paying fees to film anything for profit in a national park. I think they should say anything for income, because who knows how many people have YouTube channels that maybe have income but don't make a profit. Then it goes on and says, Gordy Price is an independent filmmaker with dozens of film credits under his belt. He's an ultra-low-budget director, and Crawford Road is no exception. This 2018 docu-style film explores the long, true history behind his own behind this road in Yorktown, Virginia. Now, although Price shot everything himself and the with the aid of one producer, his reenactments involved several actors working within national park grounds. Well, I'm pretty sure the film he made was about missing people in national parks. That had to make him happy. When the MPS found this film after its first screening, they then I heard that he screened his film in front of like 300 people. They cited him with a misdemeanor and fined him. They eventually dropped the charges, but Price swung back with a lawsuit backed by. Backed by two First Amendment lawyers, Price sued and won. They found the government's permitting scheme unreasonable and unconstitutional in its restriction of free speech. But everything changed when the national parks appealed their appealed their case. Now, under the jurisdiction of new judges, Judge Douglas Ginsburg approved the appeal, stating the parks permit rules were reasonable. This ruling states that the act of filming is not protected under the First Amendment. Isn't it awesome having people like that running your lives? Don't you love it? Not only that, but Ginsburg's ruling states that anyone holding a phone outside a visitor center to record commentary must obtain a permit and pay a fee. In addition, you must obtain a permit before filming a protest on the Washington National Mall if you plan to post it on social media. Yeah. yeah. Are you happy who you voted for? It goes on and says, To top it off, Ginsburg's verdict. Ginsburg's verdict states that anyone spontaneously filming will be criminally liable and face up to six months in prison. How this will affect protests and people documenting crimes or abuses is a whole other matter. According to this ruling, the only way to shoot and post video for free is to host them on your personal website with no commercials or other forms of monetary gain. So you see, they're making sure that you can't even post your videos on Twitter. So what if you're what if you're uh, out camping with your family in a national park and you see this really cool UFO video? Oh, can't post it online. It puts you in prison for six months. Goes on and says the silver lining for now is that the interim guidelines for filming stand until further notice. What is the interim guidelines? They're the rules made after Price won his appeal in 2021. With the reversal of this ruling, it's only a matter of time before the following guidelines change again. As of September 2022, the National Park Service does not distinguish between types of filming. In other words, whether you're filming a drama, a broadcasting news, or shooting your birthday party doesn't matter. What matters is the size of your gear and crew. Low-impact filming means you have five or fewer people with you. You must carry all equipment on your back at all times. This means no dollies, wheels, barrels, or anything except one tripod in hand. All regular park restrictions apply, and the park encourages you to contact your chosen park before shooting anything. And then it goes on a little bit further down the road. Now, I have to tell you, this this does not uh, bode well as far as I'm concerned. And they don't have the exact date on this article. And what I, as I understand it, the actual rules have just recently been changed to match the appeal. So if you're in a national park area and you catch some really cool YouTube uh, video, uh, 
I would very much suggest that you be careful with that. You know, it, it affects me too because uh, just the fact that if I want to happen to, uh, if somebody wants to send me some video to post on my YouTube channel or like when I had a Twitter account to put it up there. So now, am I going to be an accessory after the fact if I post a video that I find online because somebody happened to be in a, a federally owned property? I mean, the federal government owns like a third of the whole United States. This is just ridiculous. Here's a couple articles I think that kind of bring to mind, though, why this is important. Two of the main things with the National Park. How they handle missing person cases and what this does to uh, investigators in the UFO phenomena. This first, this first article comes to us from daily.com. Uh, it says, I am not afraid of the park. I'm terrified. TikTokers are freaking out over just how many people are disappearing in National Forest. Yeah, there's a lot, believe me. This article is by Michelle Brandenburg. It says, in a virtual TikTok video from May, Becca Goldman explains the global trend of missing persons inside heavy, heavily forested areas around the world. The video has more than 14.3 million views, and now she's diving deep on the subject via a new TikTok series. Well, I would tell this young lady to be very careful about filming in the U.S. in those parks because this is exactly the kind of thing they're going to go after. You walk into a park, you walk down a national park trail, and you film some trees while you're, while you're vlogging about all the missing people. Well, there's a $1,000 fine. Can't pay the fine? Well, you can be locked up in prison for six months. According to Outside, 1,600 people are currently missing within U.S. public lands, but Goldman alleges that this number is, is way low. Then reality is so many cases have not been publicized. So Exactly. The National Park's not even keeping track. They won't, they won't even tell you. The 1,600 number they got is from just some random person, probably, that, that, that collected news reports. We don't even know how many are missing. It's probably ten times that. Who knows? I mean, how, 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 how would you possibly have any idea? It says we're not seeing it in the news because it's not being talked about much at all. Well, imagine that. Why would they tell you? It would just be another thing that you'd be afraid of. And they want your money to go into the national parks so that you pay the fees to go and camp and hike, Goldman told the Daily Dot. According, according to the New York Post, 600,000 Americans go missing every year. But 90, 92% are found. Oh, dead or alive. 600,000 go missing, but 92% are found dead or alive. So that leaves 8%. What's 8% of 600,000? Was that 48,000? Almost 50,000 people just disappear every year to never be seen again? And we're supposed to be okay with that? However, notes post... The how many of those disappear in the wild is unclear. Neither the Department of the Interior, which oversees the National Park Service, or the Department of America's U.S. Forest Service keeps track. They don't keep track. So these 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 bureaucrats are making six figures a year. They've got golden retirement parachutes. Believe me, if you have any experience being around federal employees, the state bureaucrats, especially the federal ones, dude, and what you would get done in an eight-hour day, they could stretch that into a 40-hour week, all right? The waste is unbelievable. Uh, they spend more time flying from this state to that state doing training for this or that that they don't need. It's a joke. It is a complete joke. But they don't have time to keep track of how many people have gone missing in their parks. It says... 
I just want to say that I'm not trying to derail the conversation about how scary the U.S. national parks are, because they are, but this is not a U.S. problem. It is a global problem. We have no idea what exists inside heavily wooded areas, Goldman explains in her TikTok. Goldman continues by telling viewers of her experiences traveling in Australia and the Philippines, coming across the tribal, the tribal groups that live far from any neighboring cities or towns. We had been in the middle of nowhere for a while, and a person completely naked spread it across the road in front of us. This person was pale white and blood and blood red eyes. We don't know what's out there, Goldman said. Goldman told the Daily Dot she, had, she was completely surprised by her success on TikTok as she started on the platform making content for her friends and family, but felt this was a topic that more people should know about. In response to the video, many viewers were shocked by how little is known about forests around the world. Similar to the oceans, as so much of the topography, much has yet to be explored. I'm from Washington. We were taught young to respect the forest and ocean, because you never know what you'll run into out there, one user commented. Not heavily wooded area... Not heavily wooded areas slowly overtaking my fear of deep ocean OMG, another added. Indeed, there is no comprehensive list of all persons who have gone missing inside the National Park System, according to the National Parks Traveler. So there you go. According to themselves, we've got no many, we have no idea how many people are missing in here. But if you want to take a video of the park where they went missing at and post that video on the internet, we're going to have to lock you up. Within the legality of national parks, they don't legally have to report missing people. There you go. They don't have to report missing people, but they can lock you up for taking out your cell phone, making a video, and posting it online. So if somebody goes missing in national, in national parks, the national park itself legally does not have to report that person is missing, Goldman told the day that. That's because, per culture trip, the National Park Service leaves tracking missing people to local law enforcement. Oh, there you go. There's the old, you know, uh, the old uh, shuffle from one deck to the next. Yes. So please tell me. How is local law enforcement going to invest somebody who's missing in a national park? Now, uh, the fact is they will bring in uh, U.S. deputy marshals to, to do that kind of work. It's not the job of local law enforcement or local state agencies uh, to go into these uh, areas that are owned by the, by the U.S. federal government to do the searches. So that's just... From what, from from what, as I understand, it, that's just not correct at all. You can you can see the loophole they're creating here. Oh, your family member's missing, your child's missing. Uh, yeah, we don't do that. Go talk to the sheriff. You go talk to the sheriff, and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm sorry, we can't go in there and uh, do a search for your family member. That's not our job. That's the federal government's job. Do you see? Do you see the setup being created here? It goes on and says, retired police officer David. David Pilates, this of course we all know who David Pilates is, he does a lot of work on missing people, reportedly submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to obtain the National Park Service list of unsolved missing person cases for his book on the stories of national missing persons and was told he would be charged $1.4 million in fees, according to National Parks Traveler. After the viral reaction to Goldman's first video talking about the national parks, she decided to create a TikTok series titled, Are You Afraid of the Park?, in which she discusses many different instances in which visitors went missing inside different U.S. national parks. Each of Goldman's videos in the series chronicles a different victim who went missing in a national park. 
Viewers on TikTok were excited about the series and encouraged Goldman to create a podcast where she could go into depth about each story in a larger form, as TikTok creators are limited to three minutes per video. The National Park Service did not immediately respond to the Daily Lots request for comment. Well, maybe they're responding by tracking this young lady down, uh, finding her videos, and sending her a citation for $1,000 with the notice that if she doesn't pay up, she will be spending six months in a federal prison. Now, there's another side to this coin that's really, you know, causes me to be annoyed, frankly, that they want to cut off YouTubers' access to national parks. And that's because in the national parks, they control so much land in this country. And they're talking about federal land here, too. I think it is like literally like a third of the country owned by the federal government. So you're telling me that I can't take a video on any one of those millions and millions of acres and then post that video online without being sent to without being sent to federal prison. That is absolutely nuts. Here's just an example of a pretty a pretty solid UFO case. We covered this a couple years ago when it came out. This is from teosnews.com. But you know, here, typical UFO phenomena being reported by people hunting on federal ground. It says teosnews.com and the title says a teos close encounter of the hunters and aliens kind. And that's a picture of these two young guys. This is back in 2019. They're out bow hunting and they saw a UFO with a couple of entities. And it was it really shook them up. Bow hunters Josh Brinkley and Daniel Lucero dressed in camouflage gear looked a little uncomfortable sitting in chairs at a local newspaper. The Santa Fe residents had just come into Taos after several days in rugged terrain near Cerro de la Ala, also called Pot Mountain, northwest of town near Oot Mountain. They had a strange tale to tell everyone, and they weren't sure of their reception. We're a couple of guys that don't believe in much, but we believe now, Brinkley said. They were hunting for elk. They encountered aliens or something else so strange, they don't know what to call it. Brinkley, 41, said he's been going to Pot Mountain area hunting for 15 years. He had never seen anything particularly odd. He said he works construction and on movie sets. He's a family guy who doesn't want anyone to think he's crazy. He and Lucero have worked together for eight years. They say they aren't prone to seeing things and didn't particularly believe in aliens. Opening morning of bow season was Sunday, September 1st. This is 2019, remember. The two men had gone a couple of days early to scout the area for elk. Lucero, 26, had never been before. They set up along the tree line on different sides of a field and waited. After three hours and no elk, Brinkley became restless. It was about 9.30 a.m. I take off walking, creeping around through the woods, looking for elk, Brinkley said. He reached the top of the mountain where there's a caldera, a kind of wide bowl left behind by a collapsed volcano. He went to the edge of the, <clears throat> of the southwest side. As he walked to the edge, he noticed two figures on his side of the caldera. He thought at first they were hunters, but they were very tall shapes of these beings standing side by side, staring right at me, he said. So here these guys are, they're elk hunting, bow hunting, on federal ground, climbs up this mountain, the low mountain, doesn't see an elk, but he sees two aliens there. Now, if he had a camera and he took a picture of those aliens... And he shared it on YouTube or Twitter or anywhere where somebody could put an ad beneath it. He would be susceptible to a $1,000 fine and six months in federal prison. Does that seem fair to you? Doesn't seem fair to me. 
He walked toward them across a brushy field. He estimates they were about 35 yards away. As a bow hunter, where measuring distance is critical to hitting a target, he said he's pretty adept at it. He went around the bush and looked again. The figures were gone. He looked around and didn't see them. Figured I would talk to them. They were gone, just gone, Brinkley said. He thought more about what he'd seen. With their lower half concealed by bushes in the caldera, he had only seen them from the from the waist up. These shapes that would be like their heads, it looked like they had huge hoods on. It looked like two ribbons coming off either side to a point at the top and bottom like a banana. The right side was black, left side was white, and a little shiny. Tors were, torsos were kind of black. I couldn't see many details. It definitely looked like clothes. In the middle of the oval was just gray. Now, you know, here we have these things. They almost, once again, I know I sound like a broken record, but these things sound to me like some sort of AI thing. They're trying to, they're trying to blend in, and they're not doing a very good job of it. They're trying to appear human, and at best they appear humanoid. He goes on, he says, he thought maybe it was the back of Hunter's heads, but it looked too strange, too crazy. Later, he drew what he could remember of them in a leather-bound sketchbook he carries with him, and he drew, and he drew what he saw next. Brinkley hurried back to where Lucero was still waiting. Still no elk. It was a little. I was a little weird at that. He told his friend. He told Lucero he had seen a couple of hunters, and that's probably what had scared off the elk. He couldn't bring himself at first to say what he might have just imagined. But he went back to camp. I couldn't take it anymore, Brinkley said. I told him what I, what I saw was weird. They were too tall. Their heads were too big to be hunters. Anyone who knows me knows I don't tell these weird stories. Lucero said he, was, he has known something was up when Brinkley had walked quickly and noisily up to his position at the field. Normally his friend is quiet. A hunter's slower, more measured speed through the bushes. After Brinkley told him, Lucero felt a little weird too. I didn't know what to believe, Lucero said. Brinkley kind of wrote off what he saw. On Labor Day, September 2nd, they headed out again to hunt early in the morning and hiked all around the area. No elk. They got back to the jeep at about 2.30 p.m. We couldn't figure out why there were no elk, Brinkley said. They decided to drive to the other side of the mountain and see if there were other hunters or four-wheelers scaring off the elk. As they drove, the men saw no signs of any wildlife at all. They drove about ten minutes when they saw it. They both worked with movie sets. At first, they thought it was a movie base camp. It's this big tent structure, like a circus tent, 50 to 60 feet tall. Coming off the left of it was this long building, almost like what you would build for an archery lane for private practice. It was a third of the height, but really long, maybe a couple hundred feet. Now think about that. We're talking about 250, 260 feet long altogether. And this thing looks like some kind of a circus tent with this long rectangular 200-foot canvas-looking shape attached to it. Remember, all of this on all of this on public land, all of this on parkland, and if you took a picture of it and you put it on the internet, you're looking at a $1,000 fine and maybe another six months in a federal prison. They were about a quarter mile away and couldn't see the bottom of the structure. They watched it for a minute as they drove. What is it, he asked Lashira. A base camp for a movie or are they building an alien ship set? They drove down a little hill, lost sight of the structure for at most five seconds, Brinkley said. When we topped the hill, it was gone, just gone. Lucero said he was watching it the whole time while Brinkley drove except for those few seconds. There was no dust, there was nothing, Lucero said. They drove around the area searching for what they had seen until dark. Nothing. 
I just know it was real, Brinkley said. It was huge and white and then gone. When the two men reached, reached a place with cell signal, they told a few friends what they had seen. They thought about calling the Air Force. A friend put them in touch with Peter Davenport, a longtime executive director of the National UFO Reporting Center in Washington State. Davenport confirmed they had called him. It was a dramatic story, he said. It, it, if, if it is true, it is profoundly unsettling. He said out of thousands of calls he gets every year about supposed alien sightings, they rarely describe seeing aliens on the ground. And that is strange. They aren't the first hunters to see something they can't explain. Four hunters in Chalice, Idaho in 2000 described ha having a large triangular craft hover a couple hundred feet above them, moving over the mountains. Over the mountains. That's government land. No pictures. After listening to some 350,000 phone calls over 25 years, Davenport thinks he can tell those he can tell those that are credible. This was one of them, he said. Brinkley and Nocero said they weren't drinking and weren't on drugs. The hardest thing is telling the story. People probably think we're insane, Brinkley said. He said he didn't believe in UFOs. I sure do now, he said. Lucero said he doesn't know about aliens. I just know I've never seen anything that big just disappear. The two aliens you can say, I imagine that. But you cannot explain something that big gone, Brinkley said. After telling their strange tale, the hunters did what they came to do, to try one more time to find elk. So, there you have two compelling situations. The UFO phenomena that we hear so much about in these national parks, and missing people. And now we're told by the courts that the national park system is allowed to keep you from filming on any kind of national park, any kind of federal property. If you do that, and you post that online, or someone runs an ad and makes a penny off of that, you are responsible for a $1,000 fine and up to six months in federal prison. So when, you want, when somebody wants to talk to you about disclosure, you have to ask yourself, how interested is the government in disclosure when they are willing to lock people up for simply taking out their cell phone and filming some strange phenomena in a national park and then posting it online. You tell me, where's the disclosure? Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.